Latin mass, traditional growing pains. When I was a teenager growing, I had growing pains and I have teenagers now and they have growing pains. It's natural. It's part of life. And I've been hearing about it for many years now. I've been going to the, my family has been a member of a traditional Latin mass parish uh, served by the fraternity of St. Peter for 11 years now. I've been going for 11 years. Uh, sacraments, baptisms, mass, confirmations, confessions, etc. And lately, as you know, the traditional Latin Mass has been expanding and growing. And here in America, uh, from what I hear talking to priests, uh, parishes are growing by double or triple in the last two years. Uh, the Summer of Shame, controversies with McCarrick, controversies with Francis and Rome, uh, confusion over what is Catholicism, what is liturgy, and then, of course, the health crisis of the last year and a half has also led people to look for other options. And of course, when they went online and started streaming masses, they came in contact with streaming of traditional Latin masses. So there's tremendous growth. And with growth comes growing pains. There is, I think, in general, traditional Latin mass communities, parishes, mass centers are friendly places. I enjoy going there. I enjoy being with people. Um, but I've also been, how do I say this, insulted, corrected. Uh, and of course, people do recognize me and they like to correct me. That's fine. I need the humility. I do make mistakes. Um, but other people who are just normal people showing up for the first time or the second time or the third time, sometimes experience things, some things or have questions. And then there's the old guard. The people who've been going the Latin Mass five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Yes, there are the old guard, multi-decade Catholics who have been attending the traditional Latin Mass. And they're seeing all these new people show up. And they're like, well, why don't, what are they doing? They're doing things wrong. They don't understand things in the liturgy. Uh, there's more kids, there's more noise, uh, people aren't dressing modestly, uh, all these things. So there's a little bit of confusion and maybe some tension on both sides. And so I thought I would make a short podcast going through some of these tensions. I think they're minor. I don't think any of these are deal killers for anyone, but I think I, would, I, I can address them because I do have traditionals who watch this and people who are new. I think there's a lot of people who are new to the traditional Latin mass that watch this. And this is a great opportunity to talk about it, hear about it, go over some of the complaints and controversies, and hopefully we can correct them and understand them. And it won't take pastors to spend time in announcements or in sermons um, or Karens, tratty Karens going around correcting everyone uh, after church. Okay, so here are some of the common complaints. Oh, wait, I should pray. Let's pray the Our Father, and then we'll go into the common complaints. Oremus. Nomini Patris, et Fidii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, quies in Celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, 
sed libera nos malo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Okay, let's go through some of these complaints, controversies, and questions. One of them is more kids. Clearly, if you have been, if you've gone to a Novus Ordo church, run the mill Novus Ordo church for the last several decades, and you come to a traditional Latin mass church, you are going to see, in general, I'm sure there's some exception that someone's going to correct me on, but in general, you are going to see more children and little children. I'm talking about lots of babies. Like at my parish, you know, on a Sunday, I might see just in a normal mass, 10 babies. All right, lots of babies. Uh, I told the story when I was at a solemn high mass uh, for the uh, CIC conference in Pittsburgh, hosted by Remnant Michael Matt. I remember that Archbishop, or sorry, Bishop Schneider was celebrating high mass, and I was in the narthex. And literally, uh, when you sat on the ground because there's no chairs, there was just babies crawling over your legs and just crawling everywhere. There's babies everywhere, and it's great. And all the moms are like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, no, you're good. You moms are the heroes. You are raising the next generation. You are the heroes of our culture and our church. Thank you, mothers. Thank you. To me, having a baby cry or make a noise, no big deal. That baby might one day be the priest who gives me last rites. So I'm not complaining about it at all. Okay, so there are more kids and there are more kids making noise. And as I say, and I'll say it again, I got to make a bumper sticker and a t-shirt of this. If your mass ain't crying, it's dying. A lot of people misquote me on this. And they say, if your mass isn't crying, it's dying. And that's not the quote. Say the quote right. The quote is, if your mass ain't, I know some of you don't like the word ain't, but in Texas, if your mass ain't crying, it's dying. And I know my European listeners don't like this, but let's get with it. If your mass ain't crying, it's dying. You need some babies there. That's part of Catholicism. Now, if you are sick or your kids are sick, if they're running a temperature, if they're coughing like crazy, if they're sneezing, if they have us just a just snot overflow out of their face where it's everywhere, you or they are sick. And do not bring them to church. That's just common courtesy. That was the case before we had the virus, whatever situation in America. Do not bring, if you're sick, don't come to church if you're sick. You are excused from Sunday obligation. You can make a spiritual communion at home and get the same graces. And your kids, don't bring them to church. We don't want snot all over the pews and sneezing and coughing and all that. All right, that's illness. We're not going to bring that into where there's all kinds of people. So if they're sick, you don't bring them. Now, if they're making noise, there's kind of two kinds of noise. By the way, I have eight kids, so I've been through this, right? I got, I'm somewhat of an expert in bringing kids to Mass because I've been doing it for a long time. Traditional Latin Mass. There's different kinds of noises. There's kid noise where it's like ba ba ba, or or la la la. Those kind of noises kids make those a lot, especially when they're finding their voice. One year olds, two year olds, and they like to kind of hear their voice in the building. And it's one of the kind of for little kids. If you think about it, if you're at church, 
especially if you're at a high mass, it's one of the few places where little kids are around where there are 300, 400, 500 adults saying things all together out loud in a, in a, in a group setting. It's kind of cool to little kids and little kids, I think, want to do that. They just don't know the words in the right timing. So they just kind of do their own like a solo. It's kind of cute if that's your kid, but for everyone else, it's not as cute. So here's kind of the rule that Joy and I did. If it's just sort of an outburst like da, 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 that's it, it's fine. But if the child goes into a soliloquy or a speech and it's just going on, so it's like three times they do it or it's going on for on and on 30 seconds a minute, take the kid out. Now, one of the great things about the traditional Latin mass is excusing yourself and going outside is no big deal. It's actually, um, the idea is, I've heard different things. If you can hear the bells in church, or if you can see the altar, or if you can see someone who sees the altar, you're in mass. And the traditional Latin mass isn't all about you as the layman having to do all this active participation and you have to say the right responses and hold the hands and do the peace signs and all that. Go up and read something. Uh, put on a leotard and do some liturgical dance. You don't have to do any of that. It's really the priest offering the mass and you offering your heart, your will, your mind and intentions with the priest who's offering the oblation on the altar. So going outside with the child is no big deal. I've been outside hundreds, maybe thousands of times with a child on my hip or playing with a child on a bench outside the door. And I can hear the responses. I can hear the bells. And I know, because I've been in the Latin Mass thousands of times, I know exactly where we are in the Mass. And in my mind and in my heart, I'm participating. Now, that might not be you the first time, but it will happen. And that's fine. The Mass is the Mass. And whether you're sitting on the front row or you're sitting just outside the door and all you can hear are the bells, you're in Mass. And you're caring for an infant, and that's awesome, and we applaud you. Now, if you're one of the persons that think babies should somehow be trained to never say or make any noise in church, you just don't know. It's going to happen. There's going to be baby noises, and that's just part of being Catholic. Again, if it's screeching, if it's continual crying, like they slip off the knee or fall down and hit their head on the floor or the pew, or on the bench of the seat, which happens to all kids, happens. Um, you got to take them out. They're going to be crying and screaming. Um, it's especially, I think, it's a courtesy to everyone else, but I think chiefly it's a courtesy to the priest. He's up there reciting the Holy Sacrifice in Latin, which is not his first language, following the rubrics and trying to also have offer his devotion um, at the altar. Think about how difficult it is to like help your kids with homework if there's another child just screeching. It's almost impossible, right? Like trying to do help your teenager do geometry homework while a little one is screeching, it's kind of impossible. Now think about doing geometry in Latin with someone screeching, it's hard. All right, so it's just a courtesy. It doesn't mean your kid is bad. It doesn't mean you're bad. 
it means that that's a child and a child got hurt or a child is upset or something happened and it, it's zero judgment. And by the way, nobody in mass ever should do the, the little like look at the person with the kid and just be like, don't do that. Just don't be, don't be the judger or the look with the eyes like, mm, you're such a bad parent. Your, your child is horrible. Your child made five noises in the last seven minutes. You're a bad person. Don't be that person. And then remember, taking your child outside doesn't rob graces from you. I actually believe it gives you more graces. You're there with a child. That's like attending mass on hard mode. Good for you. More graces. Okay, another... Complaint, question. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go over crowded spaces, food in church, breastfeeding in church, uh, liturgical differences, like do you sit or kneel during the epistle, and modest and immodest clothing. I should have said that at the beginning. By the way, if you're liking this video, here's what you got to do. You have to, where's my button? You have to like this video with the thumbs up. Do it right now. And then you need to share this video because Facebook, I guarantee you, or Facebook, YouTube is not going to say, wow, Taylor Marshall just made a video on kids crying in mass and modest and immodest dress at traditional Latin mass. That's super awesome. Let's promote that video in the YouTube universe. Uh, YouTube's not going to do that. So I need you to share this video. So copy the link and paste it on Facebook and say, wow, cool video on uh, traditional Latin mass customs and growing pains link to this video. You need to subscribe, go ahead and click the button, thumbs up, subscribe, and then hit the bell. Hitting the bell notifies you when I go live. I'm live right now. When you hit the bell, YouTube will send you a notification. Taylor Marshall just went live and he's talking about, and it'll list the subject that I'm talking about. You can either ignore it or you can click on it and watch it. If you're on an iPad, tablet, or phone, or Android device, you need to go into your settings and turn notifications on or it won't work. And uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so the next topic as we move on from kids is crowded spaces. Churches are crowded and there are people standing everywhere. There are people in the hallways. There are people in the parish halls having to watch mass on a flat screen, which I don't like. Thumbs down. There, um, people sitting on the floor, that's not good either, but I mean, these are growing pains and I don't really know what the answer is to these, except that we be charitable, that we smile, that we be welcoming to new people and we just deal with it. Right. I, yes, should people, it's not proper that people should just be sitting on the floor in mass, but sometimes there is no space. I was once in a mass that was packed. It might have been during the Holy Week. And something had happened in jiu-jitsu and my, my back was hurting really bad. And it was a long mass and there were no more pews, so I was standing against the wall. And eventually, as the mass went on, I was kind of spasming and having some problems. Not something normal for me, but just because of the situation. And I sat down on the floor. And then ushers and people started coming over and saying, Marshall, why do you sit on the floor? I'm like, okay. I said, like, no, just, just leave me alone. These things kind of happen. I'm sure somebody judged me and said, oh, look at that Taylor Marshall. 
He made a YouTube video about trads, but he sits on the floor during mass. I don't care. If you honestly think that I care what people think about me in public, I don't. I mean, I get more mockery and complaints about me in a day than I even care to look at. So the one thing about crowded churches, though, is it's not good to crowd around confessionals. That's seen as a major faux pas. Uh, people will correct you and say, hey, you know, don't don't be crowding up on the confessionals because there's usually people in the confessionals during mass at Latin masses. If there's more than one priest. And being near or crowding up on confessionals means you could overhear the priest or overhear the penitent and the confessional. And that's just not cool. All right. So you never crowd around or stand next to or near a confessional. Just mark that. Um, also regarding confession, just etiquette. Pregnant women get to go to the front of the line. That's just how it is. Or if there's a, ch a, a woman who has a baby, especially if the baby's kind of fussy and all that, she goes to the front of the line. I've seen people get ticked at me because there will be a confession line after mass of like 20 people and there'll be a pregnant mom. I'll get the pregnant mom. I'll walk her to the front of the line and say she needs to be here. Some people look at me like, Psh, why Marshall putting pregnant ladies in the front of the line? Because they're pregnant and they're heroes and we love them and they shouldn't have to stand in the line for 30 minutes. All right. Also, etiquette, traditional Catholic etiquette. If you see um, vocational servants in uniform, they get to go to the front of the line, too. I'm talking about doctors in doctor uniforms, nurses in nurse uniforms, police officers in police uniforms. Look, they might have to go and be on duty like a policeman, fireman, a nurse. So if it's, you know. 1245, they might need to get going. We're going to put them to the front. Now, you can always go to the pregnant lady or the doctor, the nurse, or the policeman and say, hey, why don't you come up to the front? Doctor, nurse, mom. And if they're like, no, no, I'm fine where I'm at, then you just leave them there. It's no big deal, right? But we should, as a charitable Catholic community, recognize people who are on time restraints, visible time restraints, um, or are in... Um, physical help, like pregnant ladies. Also, I'd say the same thing applies to the elderly. You see a really old man or an old woman, and she's at the end of the line, move her to the front, or at least say, you can go in front of me. Not long ago, I was in confession line. There was an elderly woman next behind me. I said, why don't you go in front of me? She said, no, I'm okay. And I dropped it. But I at least wanted to help her so she's not standing there for 30 minutes. Get her in. Okay. More etiquette. Food in church. In the Novus Ordo, you will see people playing video games in church, playing with phones in church, and you will also see parents bring Tupperware and Ziplocs with goldfish and Teddy Grahams and other snacks. The idea is kids are hungry. They do get hungry. I got eight of them. They're all constantly eating. My pantry is just con well, I have to put a lock on my pantry. I had a biometric lock that read the fingerprint of myself and my wife, Joy, on the pantry to keep the kids from eating all the food. And guess what they did? One of the younger kids used a tool and broke the biometric fingerprint thing that I got on Lowe's or Home Depot. 
broke it, disarmed the thing, and got into the pantry anyway. So I know kids want to eat. Still trying to figure out how to keep it from eating so much. But it's not legit to bring food into a Catholic church. A Catholic church is a sacred space. It's not a McDonald's. It's not a Luby's. Kids cannot eat in the church. If kids are hungry and you have food, no problem. Like I said, you take them outside. You sit in the courtyard. Maybe you can be in the narthex. Maybe just outside the door or outside a window and listen to the mass. But you don't break out food in the mass. It's considered um, disrespectful to the sacred place, um, even though they're kids. Okay, so you don't have a juice box and a bag of Doritos for Johnny, who's three years old, on the eighth pew, and he's eating Doritos and doing a juice box. Juice box, you don't do that. Okay. Nursing. Uh, this different. This is different from place to place, but in most traditional Catholic churches, nursing is allowed. You have to have a cover up, a major cover. Okay. Um, and then it's often suggested if there is a attached cry room, you know, where there's a, a, a wall for mothers, um, that it be done in there just to avoid distraction. But usually um, this is not anything that's looked upon askance or bad. Um, one thing that some people don't know is the cry room usually has moms and kids in them because women often go to the cry room if kids are crying, um, but also to nurse their children. They feel more comfortable that way, which makes sense. Because of that, and a lot of men don't know that, men are often not, shall I say, welcome in the cry room. So you're, you might think, well, my wife's been going in the cry room for eight weeks. I'm going to in the next three weeks, I'm going to take to the kids the crime. I've done that too. But if that is the case, you need to be aware that when you go to the cry room, there might be three or four women nursing in there and you shouldn't just like sit down next to them and be like, hey, what's going on? All right. Uh, maybe don't go to the crime room or maybe just observe distance. Um, again, these are just etiquette things that I've noticed uh, as a father of eight children going to mass for 11 years. Uh, nursing is allowed, but we try to kind of keep um, dignity and honor for the mothers. Make sense? Liturgical differences. Am I losing people yet? Are they like, this is crazy. Hopefully not. If you like it, hit the like button. Liturgical differences. So I have attended Latin masses in uh, Europe and all over the United States many, many places. And I have noticed differences. There's also differences when you attend Institute of Christ the King, Fraternity of St. Peter, uh, SSPX, diocesan Latin masses, and other groups, monasteries. For example, when I've been to mass at uh, Clear Creek in Oklahoma, there's differences there in the monastic setting. My rule of thumb is, is when in Rome, do as the Romans. So for example, when I go to low mass at the at a SSPX 
everyone uh, kneels in a low mass for the epistle. In a high mass, they sit. And that's actually the proper custom. But if you go to a lot of fraternity of St. Peter parishes, they will sit for the epistle in a low mass and they will sit for an epistle in the high mass. It is not a big deal. And you should not be the trad Karen going around correcting people on this. Follow your conscience and do what you think or just observe the local custom. And if people kneel at a low mass during the epistle, you should kneel. If they sit, you can sit. But if the person in front of you sits and kind of is in your face, maybe you should sit. I don't know. It gets kind of messy. I think the ultimate thing is be charitable and don't get worked up over it. I know one guy who got so worked up over the kneeling, sitting epistle thing. And I was just like, man, it's not about that. Chill out on the low mass epistle posture. It's just take a deep breath. Another one that's pretty, there's a lot of diversity and difference is low mass. Whether the congregation recites the responses in Latin with the pre, uh, to the priest or whether the congregation stays totally silent and allows the servers to do all the Latin responses. That, my friends, is all over the map uh, in Europe and the United States. I've seen everything. I've seen even partial versions of each. I would say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. If the congregation is responding, responding so at a high mass, the priest chants, Dominus Fobiscum, and everybody says, Ecum Spiritu Tuum. When it's chanted, the congregation responds. In a low mass, which is quiet, and it's technically a misa privata, a private mass of the priest. Technically, the proper, the proper way to do it is only the servers say it. So we stay quiet in the in the nave, and that is, I would say, in most places, the custom. If you go to a, by the way, there's low mass, sung mass, mita cantata, and solemn high mass. There's also pontifical high mass with the bishop. So I guess you could say there's four um, kinds of mass. I've made a entire year-long curriculum on the Latin mass and the Roman rite that will teach you everything about the history of the Latin mass, the Roman rite, all these things that I'm talking about. If you go to newsaintthomas.com and sign up as a premium student member, you'll get that entire course, plus seven other courses on Old Testament, New Testament, medieval history, church fathers, etc. Go read all about it, newsaintthomas.com. Com. I should put a thing on the screen. NewStThomas.com. Also, if you're a uh, student member of Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall, you also get that course. It's a really cool course. Took me a lot of work to write it and make it. So if you're a student member at patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall, or you just sign up directly at NewStThomas.com, you can take that. Uh, I say one-year course. You could probably finish it in a month or two if you were really awesome. Back to the low mass. So in a low mass, there's the dialogue mass, which is where the people say the responses back to the priest, but most of the time the servers say it. Especially if you're an established parish, the servers say it and the people stay quiet. Why is that? I remember first going to the Latin mass and I had taken years of Latin. I'm like, well, I'm going to be saying them responses. I know the responses in Latin. I'm going to say them. And then no one said them. I was like the one weird guy saying them. And then a priest explained to me, because I asked him about it. He's like, well, you're not actually supposed to. 
because it's a, a Misa Pravada, it's a private mass, even though there's a congregation there. And he goes, the reason it's discouraged is not everybody knows Latin, not everyone's on the same cadence, not everyone will say the response at the right time. So what usually happens when you have 300, 400 people at a low mass, because it's not chanted or sung, you sort of just have this lay train wreck of people responding at different times in different cadences with different pronunciations. And it's just sort of a kind of a sludgy response. And so because of that, usually we just allow the servers, the altar boys, to say the responses at the altar. And we, with our ears, join in. I even say the words with my mouth, but I don't say them out loud. Unless it is a dialogue mass, and then I will say them. All right, the last thing. If you're enjoying this, please give it a like. Please share it. The last thing is clothing it's all based on modesty and immodesty. You see, if you go to the Vatican, if you go to St. Peter's, there is a sign that shows what you can wear and can't wear. And it used to be that women were taught by their mothers and grandmothers that when you go to church, you have to dress a certain way. This has been lost because of Protestantism, secularism, and because of Vatican II. You will see women go to the Vatican in Rome dressed in scandalous clothing and they are told they cannot enter. Either turn away or they give them a giant piece of cloth that they wrap around themselves. And then when you're in the church, you'll see women with these cloths wrapped around themselves, covering their bodies. This shows that even in 2021, the Catholic Church has standards of decorum and modesty that apply to men and to women. I know all the women are about, oh, Taylor Marshall is about to offend me. No, so I'm going to start with the men. Men, it is wrong to wear a hat inside church. I have seen this at Latin Mass, men wearing hats inside church. And I actually am, I'm against lay policing of attire and clothing, except for this one. I am that gray-haired guy who goes to the young whippersnapper and says, take off your hat, son. You're in the house of God. Okay, so I will make I will do that. But all other clothing things, I don't think lay people should, should um, police, except for the one that I like to police, which is young men wearing ball caps or even fedoras or whatever in a church. No, you don't do that. If you wear hat to church, which I do sometimes, you either put it on the hat rack or in the old days, all the pews had hat clips. How cool is that? Some of the Institute of Christ the King churches who are always snazzy, I've heard, have hat clips in the pew, which I think is super cool. I like it. Okay, but no hats in the church. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, men cannot wear hats in church. Women must cover their heads in church. Why? Because St. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. It's in the Bible. Well, yeah, but Taylor, Vatican II, I don't... It's in the Bible. St. Paul, the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. Moreover, the second pope, his name was Linus. 
The first five popes are placed, P-L-A-C-E, Peter, Linus, Anacletus, Clement, Evaristus. Those are the first five popes. The second pope was named Linus. We know nothing about Linus. He does appear, um, he's mentioned by St. Paul in the New Testament. But we don't know much about him except for one thing. There's only one thing that Linus did that we know about. He issued a decree that women should wear coverings on their head whenever in the churches of God throughout the entire church in the world. So the second pope only did one thing. Yeah, but Taylor Marshall's so sad. He doesn't know. He disrespects the pope. And all that. Look, it's in the Bible. The second pope decreed it. Let's just do it, ladies. Let's just do it. Now, if I were pope, I'd probably, since we haven't been doing it for decades and women feel uncomfortable and awkward about it, if I were the pope, I would probably say, Every woman who wears a veil or a hat or a covering in mass uh, gets a partial indulgence every time. Just to encourage the practice. But anyway, you should wear a veil on your head. It is your dignity. St. Paul says it's because of the angels. Um, it's a sign of your submission to uh, your husband and your submission to Christ. It shows hierarchy in the church. It's also a sign of, of um, modesty. You, you, well, you women out there may have gorgeous hair, beautiful hair. A man shouldn't be looking at or staring at it. We all know that. And part of that is the veil. But it's a theological reason. It's theological. Go read 1 Corinthians on the veils, and I think you'll be impressed. And then go read Pope St. Linus when he said all women should cover their hair whenever they go into the churches of God. Now, men, you should wear your Sunday best. If you're going to try to go and get an interview at a job, whatever you wear to that interview, whatever you have in your closet that you would wear to that interview, as long as it's, you're not interviewing to be like, I don't know, something weird, you should wear that to church. Your Sunday best. Now, I'm going to tell you that in our culture in America, Catholic culture, wearing shorts to mass is not legit. Wearing jeans to mass is not legit. Now, I don't wear jeans to mass except on certain occasions where it's a feast day and I, for some reason I have jeans on and I remember and I'm like, oh, I got jeans on, but I'm going to get to mass anyway. And I go to mass. It's a on a Sunday, obviously, I, I plan it around. But like if it's a Tuesday, occasionally. But if I have the time and it's Tuesday and I'm going to Mass that day, I will put on slacks. My sons, bare minimum, I mean, if one of my sons has jeans on for Mass, he's going to hear it from me. Put on some nice pants. Put on a collared shirt. Minimum. And my standard as a Catholic dad is, hey, we are blessed. We have nice clothes to wear. Let's put on a tie. Let's put on a blazer. Dad puts on a blazer for a YouTube show. Come on. Put on a blazer. And people see pictures some or of us online, you know, like at Mass or Eastern, like, wow, Taylor, you're wearing like a $2,000 suit. I wish I could do that. No, I'm not. 
I'm wearing a discounted J. Crew suit that fits me basically off the rack. I'm wearing a $50 shirt and a $30 tie. This is not, I mean, it's not cheap. That costs money. But it's you don't have to like spend James Bond money to look decent at church. So guys, oh, and also polish your shoes. Show some self-respect. And it's honor to God. That's why I teach my son. Shining your shoes, especially when you're an altar boy up at the altar, you're not shining them for grandma to see or for other people to see. You're shining them for Jesus. You're saying, I am going to walk around the altar and assist the priest. I want to present my personal best to God. Even if no one showed up to mass today and it was just me at the altar, I would shine my shoes. Shine them for Jesus. That's men. Wear your best. If your best is jeans and a polo shirt, wear that. If that's your best and no one should judge you. No one should judge you. I think everybody, every male in America has that. But you should set aside maybe $10 a week and work up to some nice pants, some nice shoes, hopefully a blazer and a tie. Ties are cheap. You get ties for cheap. Now, I'm going to get controversial. Talk about women. The standards in traditional parishes are as follows. Cover your shoulders. This is sometimes debatable what that means. Cover below your knees. Not at the knees. Covering the knees. Below the knees. I have this debate with my daughters all the time. Because they grow. You buy the skirt, you buy the dress for them for church at Christmas. Looks great. Suddenly it's Easter. And I'm like, your dress isn't your dress is now above the knees. And they're like, no, it's not. And they bend down. Everything they bend down, the it, the hem goes down. I'm like, yeah. Didn't we buy that dress for church? And they're like, well, yeah, Dad, but I grew. You grew that much in four months? Wow. Okay, well, shoot, get your new dress. There is grow this shows on growing pains. There are growing pains, right? Um, should not show your upper chest. I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Cover the shoulders, cover your knees, and should not have see-through fabric. All right. So you can be dignified, you can be beautiful, and I'll tell you, Catholic men really do appreciate a nicely dressed woman who isn't dressed to attract eyes in the wrong way, but looks feminine, looks beautiful, and looks modest. And if you're a young lady who's not married and you want to attract a traditional man who wants to be monogamous, who wants to be faithful to you, who wants to have children, who wants to work hard to provide for you, he is going to be looking for that kind of woman, not a woman who dresses provocative, trying to get that kind of attention. So again, this is kind of basic modesty. It's the standards that are held at the Vatican. And if anyone ever objects to it, I just say, well, you wouldn't be able to walk into the Vatican like that. So why would you be able to walk in uh, to a Sunday mass like that? It's the same Jesus. It's the same faith. It's the same church. 
we should have some standards. Now, everything I've talked about today, now that I've talked about it, maybe people's antennas will go up and be like, oh, that woman is feeding Teddy Grahams to her kid. That child made seven sounds in a row. That woman's skirt is at her, just above her knee and on and on and on. You should not be the monitor. You should not be the Karen. It should be ideally posted in the narthex so that people can see it or post it at the doors. It should be posted in the bulletin. It should be posted on the website and priests. I'm just going to throw this out there and see if it sticks. Priests should probably mention it once, twice a year in the announcements as housekeeping. It'd be kind of tedious and annoying if it was once a month. Maybe if he needs to, he could. I don't know. But, you know, just to kind of go over the housekeeping and say, hey, you know, here's the dress code. I'm not asking anyone in this congregation to police everybody, but I just wanted to express it so that people could hear it and know it. Here's the dress code. And also, um, you know, here is our policy on not eating food in the church. And here's our policy on confessions and not crowding the confessionals and pregnant moms and elderly people and doctors, nurses, and policemen should go to the front of the line of confessional. It's kind of the basic etiquette. Because again, I was talking to a friend about this. He's going to know who he is. And he's probably watching right now. I was talking to a friend about this. And I said, how long do you think it takes, if you've been going to the Novus Ordo, how long does it take you to go to the traditional Latin Mass every Sunday to finally basically be trad when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to school, devotions, attending the Latin Mass, appreciating the traditional, all that stuff. I go, how long? And I had already thought in my mind, two years. I was like, it took me two years of going every Sunday to finally acclimate. And he goes, yeah, I would probably say two, two and a half years. Exactly. I agree with you. Because think about if you moved from New York City to Texas, how long would it take you to kind of absorb and understand Texan culture? I would say probably at least two years. Or if I moved to California, how long would it take me to understand California culture and to adjust to it? I wouldn't want it to adjust to it, but two years. Or if I'm someone from the United States moved to Poland, it's gonna. It's not just like you're going to move there and you're going to kind of feel more at home at, in Polish culture. It's going to take a while. It's going to take maybe two years or more to acclimate. So I think when it comes to all these things, two years. If you've been going for a year, Take a deep breath. It's going to take another year. And then for all the old school trads out there, I want y'all to take a deep breath and be, don't be the older brother who said, oh, my younger brother, he gets the fatted calf. He gets the party. I've been going to Latin mass for 30 years. Don't be that person. Be glad. Be a glad trad. Be glad that there are new people, new children, new parents, new grandparents, new single people at the traditional Latin Mass. Rejoice. Pray for more. And are they going to maybe offend you or do something wrong? Or maybe they're going to sit down during the epistle or they're going to be like a goofy Taylor Marshall and try to say their responses at low Mass. 
in Latin. Yeah. Just smile and say a Hail Mary for them. Take a deep breath. Give them two years to acclimate. And maybe send them this video. Get some details on what to do. All right, that's the show. If you liked it, first thing you want to do is you got to like it. Then you want to share it on Facebook. And then you want to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified. Also, I will be giving away two rosaries because you got to pray the rosary every day or not on the team. And I have two beautiful rosaries from Seraphim Rosaries. One is white, one is black. The black one is going to a male. The white one is going to a female. And the giveaway will be through Patreon for one of my gener generous Patreon patrons who has generous patronage. No, anyone. Uh, you could give... You could throw a dollar in the tip jar once a month. You would actually, no, I don't think that works. I don't, I think there is a minimum. I don't know what it is. It's like five, five or $7. I don't know. But whatever that is, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I should have checked. Uh, that will put you in the Patreon system and then you'll be in the drawing. Uh, sorry to be confusing on that. But yes, I've given away these rosaries before. I've given away Bibles. I've given away books. I've given away all these stuff. And now I'm giving away rosaries again. These are beautiful rosaries. They're heavy-duty. Rattle the beads. They're great. I love this one. I mean, it is so heavy. I could I could do curls like with this, like work out. This centerpiece has Our Lady of Fatima and the three children kneeling down in front of her. I mean, it is. These are all cast pieces, really cast. This rosary is several hundred dollars. Uh, it has medals on it, and it is... Gorgeous. I love it. This is the white one. As a man, I wouldn't pray a white one unless I was like seven years old. But um, that's why the white one's going to a female and the black one's going to a dude. Okay, that's at patreon.com. And then if you also, you want my book signed, you want uh, Rosary in 50 Pages, Infiltration, Catholic Perspective on Paul, any of these books, I sign them and I put them in the mail and mail them to you for free as a thank you for supporting as a patron of this podcast. If you like this podcast and you want to support it, you can become a patron of the podcast. And there's all these different levels at patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I will sign these books and mail them to you. I will send you a coffee mug. Uh, sometimes I send uh, beer bottle openers. Uh, pray the rosary daily or not on the team. All sorts of cool stuff. So go to patreon.com forward slash DR. Taylor Marshall. Okay, that's that. And then if you want to take the, the courses on the history of the Latin Mass, NewStThomas.com. Okay, hopefully this is helpful. The biggest takeaway for all of you, old trads and new trads, is to be patient. I have people correct me even to today. I had a woman not long ago tell me, she wasn't mad. She wasn't even really rude, but she informed me that I sat in her pew and I shouldn't do that again. I don't recommend that because there's not assigned pews. But I could have got offended, but I kind of thought it was funny. I was like, <laughs> I sat in their pew. I won't do that again. I kind of, I think I even said, oh, I'm sorry. I won't sit in your pew again. I'm sorry about that. She probably told her friends, that Taylor Marshall guy on YouTube, he sat in my pew. 
Somebody should tell him. It's funny. Guess what? There's other pews. There's other pews. I'm not going to let my heart incline to sin over pew location or pew reservations. It's just not worth it. All right. Pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. I'm going to read you another quote from a saint. Just so you know, I'm not making it up. It's not just some guy on a a podcast making it up. Listen to this, St. Louis de Montfort. Never will anyone who says his rosary every day be led astray. This is a statement that I would gladly sign with my blood. End quote. St. Louis de Montfort. So if you pray your rosary every day, you will not go astray. So pray your rosary every day. You're not on the team. The non-astray team. Awesome. Do it. And remember... Oh, no, we got to pray our Hail Mary. Oremos. In nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et ora mortis nostre. Amen. And God, thank you for all the new people. In Jesus' name, amen. In nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I think this is an important video. I'm happy about this video, and I like this video. This is a video I probably should have made many months ago. So I'm glad if you were here with me live, and I think you should share it. I think old trads and new trads need to hear this and talk about it. So please do take the hyperlink to this show and share it all over Facebook, okay? And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. If your mass ain't crying, it's dying.